Welcome to the Imagine Momcast. More answers, more Jesus, more fun. Do you want to get my number one amazing way to combat negative self-talk? God gives us grace and we should give ourselves some grace too. And this is a great resource. It's at imaginemom.com slash sign up. I'll put the link in the description. Make sure you stop and get that free resource today. Hi all. I am so glad to have everybody here because we are here with Brandy Hunt and I met her through a mutual acquaintance and I got to know her a little bit and am so excited for you to hear her tell us her story today. She has an amazing story about God's work in her life and she's written several books which she can let us know about. I'll put the links in the description and has done lots of public speaking um, to get to share her story with as many people as possible. So I'm just thrilled to have her here today. So uh, Brandy, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us about your family and yourself and where you live and all that good stuff. Hi, and thank you so much for having me. I just love the power of networking. You know, on a Monday, you don't know a person. And on a Tuesday, you got a forever friend. (laughs) You know, know, the power of networking is amazing. And thank you for having me. Uh, So I am Brandy Hunt. I am in Greenville, South Carolina. I'm the owner of On the Right Track, which is a publishing company. I have one daughter uh, that she'll be 21 on Sunday. And uh, that's my only child. And so um, I do motivational speaking. I'm also a certified life coach, um, business consultant, leadership development. So that's mostly what my talks are about, wrapped into my testimony, but also, um, you know, uh, giving people tools that they need to move forward in life, whatever that might be. Cool. And do you know now? So just so you guys know, yes, she's a publisher and she's publishing my book, which I'm so excited about. She's working on it right now. So hopefully that'll be out soon. And she's an expert in that. So I'm really excited about that. Do you have another job that you do during like is in addition to all that? Um, I do. I work uh, for a local finance company, uh, but that's just uh, at at will. Oh, (laughs) Um, okay. I I mainly do everything else. Uh, The pandemic kind of shifted a lot of things around. Um, But yes, my primary um, love is for people, um, you know, empowerment, empowering people, women and men, uh, but primarily women come to me, you know, I want to tell my story. Um, I see that you, you know, told your story and now look, you know, where you are. And I've been doing this for seven years. So not really just a, you know, I I, I got a lot of skin in the game, as they would say. Right. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. I was just curious. You're such a superwoman. You do so many new things. <laughs> so, all right. Well, tell us about how you got started, uh, like, you know, your original story, I guess, and, and kind of like how God started speaking to you about writing. Oh, yes. Well, that's a f- fully loaded question. <laughs> um, <laughs> but honestly, um, I I had my share of life circumstances handed to me at a very early age. Um, And I won't give away the details of the book, but let's just say I was dealt a pretty tough hand. Um, I was dealt a really bad hand in my my eyes at that time. Uh, And I was making a lot of bad decisions based on what my life should be. Um, I, I was making decisions based off of my pain instead of my purpose. I was dating the wrong person and, you know, just, doing life on my terms and with my twisted judgment because of the rejection and abandonment that I had faced as a child and growing up. And uh, my life led me down a twisted path, uh, landed me in a domestic violence shelter. 
And wow. when I got there, um, and this was about 10 years ago, um, when I got there, the intake uh, coordinator, she, she said, uh, where's your father? And that struck me as an odd question to ask an abused woman coming in like, hey, I need somewhere to stay because I'm in an abusive relationship. And it was a marriage, actually. It wasn't just a relationship. This was my husband. And so. um, Yeah, especially you being older. That seemed like kind of an odd question. Right. (laughs) I was 30. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, I said um, and I asked, I said, what does my father have to do with this man putting his hands on me? And she said, well. A lot of women who are in relationships like this are looking for their father. And I was like, what? You got, can you explain? Because I always tell people I was very intelligent. I was just making dumb decisions. And so I'm an intellect by nature. And so I'm I'm like, okay, put that together for me because we still haven't got to the part that about him. Shouldn't I put that on this paper? Like why he? put his hands on me. What happened there? She was like, oh, no, let's go back to the beginning of what? So I said, I said, let me answer your question, because you seem to not be wanting to leave the the question. And I said, my (laughs) father um, passed away when I was 13. And she said, "Um, well, that's why you keep dating the same man over and over. He just has a different body. Wow. This is so deep. I don't don't understand, (laughs) ma'am. And so she she goes on to say um, a lot of times we gravitate to people who won't leave because you're used to that. You don't want to feel that abandonment and rejection over and over. So you overdo it. You, You overcompensate with the wrong people and you end up in these abusive situations because you're just glad someone would stay. Well, most abusers aren't the ones who leave. The the abused are the ones who leave. So it started to make sense. And so how did we get to the book writing part? Uh, so after I got out the domestic violence shelter, uh, well, I, while I was there, I heard the Holy Spirit say, one day you will tell your story and you will help women around the world overcome what you're overcoming. <laughs> At the okay. time, you're like, what have I overcome yet? <laughs> right. I was like, don't nobody want to come on. God, give me something else. <laughs> and so I, and again, all of us in the book, um, the book is called Dealing with the Hand I Was Dealt. And so when I got out the shelter, I went on with my life and about two years passed. And I uh, had a dream that I was in a library and there was a lot of books in it. And at and, and when I in the dream, I said, whose books are these? And I heard a voice say, they're yours. When I woke up, I asked again because I was still confused, kind of like when I was at the shelter. <laughs> it was like, what? And so it was a, it was a huge house. I said, it must be a mansion. And I said, whose books were those? And I heard the voice again. They're yours. I said, OK, I must have a mansion. And then the voice said, no, you wrote them. So that's how I got into book. I I never dreamed of writing a book. I never aspired to be an author. None of that. It was simply when I woke up, I said, "Okay, if this is what you want me to do. I and so I set my my sights on finding somebody who because 10 years ago, it wasn't mainstream to write your own book, publish, self-publishing and all of that. Right. Yeah. Um, I ran into a lady at a conference, kind of like how you did. Um, yeah. She was a, um, she was an author and she was the speaker and she said she was having a class. And so it was a no brainer. I took the class. The mm-hmm. next year I published the book and then an influx oh, of people wow. came to me 
can you help me? I've always wanted to write a book. I just didn't know where to start. And so I created the publishing company and I started doing workshops and conferences, but I still wasn't a publisher. I was like, I, that's a lot. Like you want me to do your whole project? And I didn't know anything. I only knew what I had to do to do my own. And it was a lot of work. <laughs> and so um, again, God impressed on my heart, start your own company. And here we are seven years later. Wow. That's amazing. Thank so going you. back to your, um, when you were in the shelter, did you have your daughter with you then? I didn't, I did not. Um, I never wanted my daughter to see me like that. And so I asked one of my, uh, my best friend, um, the stay was only 60 days. And I said, you know, I can be away from her for 60 days. If it means that I can get a foundation and get some security for us to live somewhere. So she was only down the street. I did get to see her, um, you know, on the weekends, but mm-hmm. I did not take her with me. But there were women there with their kids, but I um, I was gracious enough to have someone that would keep her. Um, and so that she didn't have to see me go through that. That's awesome. I mean, I mean, I know it was hard, but it was it like was. just cool that she had, you know, a place to go. Absolutely. And so were you a believer then? Were you always a believer? Always. My mother plays the piano for the church. And so we were in church oh. every day, Sunday through Sunday. Um, and so wow. um, my family is, uh, I, we got, uh, what's it, back in the day where you get, um, you, you go up for your um, consecration, consecration at 12. Yeah. And wow. so I was saved at 12. Uh, I was always in church. I love the word. I love God. I just didn't know who I was. And that's what God bridged together for me. The difference between knowing of a big God out there somewhere, which is a lot of people think God is out there somewhere in the the wild blue yonder. And he don't even know my name. What the Bible says, I know you by name. I know the hairs on your head. Um, I I created you for a purpose, but I didn't know all that sitting in the shelter. I, I heard the spirit of God ask me, who are you? And I said, you and this uh, intake counselor, y'all ask the craziest questions. You know, <laughs> you know who I am because you created me. Yeah. What's your next question? I'm such a literal. I'm such a literal. So I'm like, I'm I'm a realist. And I'm like, um. and he was like, no, I mean, who did I create you to be? Because right now you're acting like what they said, rejected, abandoned. You know, you're making all these crazy decisions. I didn't create you to be abused. I didn't create you to be to have low self-esteem. Who are you? Who are you supposed to be? I Mm -hmm. I don't I don't know. Like, I I don't know. And so he said, go in the Bible and find 100 things that I said about you. Wow. Um, Okay. Oh, okay. And so I I, I thumbed through the Bible and I just started and I, I literally Googled. I am scriptures <laughs> because I was I didn't know. And I found I am anointed. You know, God called us and he chose us. Uh, I am uh, overcomer. And I was like, uh, over what? You called us all of this stuff? But I've been wow. in church my whole life. And then you think I'm not none of this stuff. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. What does that even mean? So I started digging and digging and digging. And I said, I think this is the problem. We think that how we feel is the fact. Well, I don't feel pretty. I don't I don't feel um, useful. I don't feel anointed. None of that is a feeling. If I if it says uh, it said, well, who should we say that you are? And God said, tell them I am that I am sent you. It is because he said it is not because oh, we no. felt it. That's and awesome. I, and I started. Uh, and, and again, a lot of people like, how did you know it was God? 
Well, I know Satan don't want me to be who God called me to be. And it was all, it's only two. So so Satan's not going to be like, yeah, Brandy, find out your identity and get back to me. So <laughs> and, and, and up till then, I had been doing what Brandy wanted to do. So I could only believe that the voice that I was hearing, while it sounded like me, didn't sound like something that I would say. Right. <laughs> um, and so I stood in the mirror. He said, stand in the mirror and say this list every day. The first day I felt really crummy, like saying, you know, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm whole. That was a hard one for me because I felt broken. Remember, so your your feelings and emotions are like, no, I'm broken. I don't have a house. My car got taken. My husband got taken and my child got taken. I mean, I left her, but I lost everything in one weekend. One. And so I don't feel whole. I don't feel called to the nations. Right, yeah, <laughs> I right. feel abandoned again. And so um, in the book, it talks about, uh, so when I when God impressed to, to the title to me, um, I had, uh, I'll give you the short version. Somebody told me to clean out my closet, another God moment. And she said, God told me to tell you to clean out your closet. Yeah, you know what? And this is when I was first finding out about prophecy you know, people coming, you know, in the spirit of God saying, I believe this is something you're supposed to do. If you yeah. listen to this, always, you know, seek godly counsel. Everybody that say God says something may not be God. That's my disclaimer. And so, yeah. but clean out your closet. That's safe. You know, even right, if it's yeah. Satan, I don't think Satan wants us to be extra clean either. So, you know, he messy. <laughs> Satan is messy. So he's not, I always try to, to, to weigh the options. Like when, Satan tell me to do this? No, because Satan is messy. He don't care if you have dirt and grime and be gossipy and all of that. So um, I cleaned out my closet. And while I was cleaning out my closet, I uh, I came across some old stuff from old relationships, uh, family pictures, and I started to cry. And I wasn't even sure why I was crying. And um, I was like, oh, man, I miss them. Or Man, I, rem- I remember what they did to me. And like the nasty feeling started coming. I was like, I don't want to deal with this. Mm-hmm. And it, the title, Dealing with the Hand I Was Dealt, came. It dropped in my spirit. And the Holy Spirit was like, write a book about your life and start with the pain. Like, where did the where did the pain start? And so well, it started when my dad died. Like, I just felt like God was mad at somebody. I don't know who. And he took my daddy. That's a 13-year-old's mentality. Well, at 30, I didn't still think that, but I still acted that. I still acted on, well, I'm going to do everything I can for you to stay in my life, even though you're not treating me right. Because if my own daddy didn't love me, what is a a, a man? Um, And I pay bills. And I always hear guys be like, don't know women do nothing for men. We pay everything. I paid everything. I bought a car. I've done all kinds of stuff for people to prove my love to them because I didn't know about unconditional love. I didn't know healthy love. I knew need-based love and and simply a feel good versus a is good. And a lot of that is, is life happens and no one ever told me to go to therapy. Nobody mm-hmm. ever said, we just went to church and hopefully you got it when you were at church. Now go live your life. And so uh dealing with the hand I was dealt, it's more of going back to the original moment 
where you believe the word of the enemy about you and your circumstances and situations. God loved you in it and out of it. He didn't he didn't hate you um, and then allow this to happen. Or your dad didn't decide, oh, I think today's a good day to leave the earth, you know. Um, but right. at, at such a young age, and even if you're older, you know, bad relationships, breakups, job losses, we often connect ourselves to that moment and every decision we make in the future is a fearful decision because of what happened back there. Yeah. And so I said, well, God, how can I stop it? Like, how can I not be fearful of something that really happened? Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm such a. I'm no, not- no, I totally understand, actually, because I, I, I've been working with some people, you know, with like healing prayer, you know, mm-hmm. and like is, <laughs> some people are so logical that it's hard for you to get them to. I don't know, just kind of sit back and like, don't overthink it and just let God speak to you. You know what I mean? Um, And that's me. And God really had to deal with me about that. Um, But I do believe that some questions lead to answers. Some questions keep you out of answers. (laughs) And so you keep questioning it because you really don't want to do it. And so you're like, well, what happened when, and what about this? Because you really don't want to be obedient and just move forward. That's faith. It says, um, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence is not seen. So why are you still standing here going, well, when I see it, I'll move on it. That's not faith. Faith says, I believe it. I, I have enough of, of, of God's word. And when I say God's word, whether he spoke to you, like I've explained, I had, uh, you know, visitations and things that I know wouldn't have been something I woke up and say, you know what, I think I'm a dream about being in a library and tell myself. <laughs> so, so you just have yeah. to kind of be, it, it is a spiritual walk. And, and it took me a long time to grasp that too, because I have a logical brain. Everything to me had to be real reality. So when God started to elevate me into spiritual things, uh, it, it was a shift uh, because I wanted to know everything. I was like, well, I need to know A through at least F. Um, right, when I get right. the F, then you can give me the F through the rest. And yeah. God was like, no, I'm going to give you A and B, maybe. Sometimes I only had A. <laughs> um, and so, but I really, um, so I had this acronym, uh, it's P-A-I-N. And so when you break down your life, um, all, all the depression, and let me give this other disclaimer, I am a uh, a life coach, and I'm getting ready to be a behavioral health therapist. I, I agree with medication wholeheartedly. If you need it, get it, and that's wonderful. But I also believe that some of the stuff we go through is simply because we won't let it go. Uh, we want to understand why it happened, and we just stand there waiting for understanding. But the Bible says peace passes understanding. So we shouldn't be looking for understanding. We should be looking for peace to pass understanding because God wants us to move on. He know why he did it. He know why he allowed it. You only need the lesson if there is to be one. There's stuff that I've gone through and I'm still waiting for God to be like, that's why it happened. But I decided to move on. I let it go. I let the people go. So pain, um, when you break down how you want to start dealing with your hand, because we all have something different. Like I could trauma match with you all day. Well, I went through this. Well, I went through this and I went through that. And I'm okay. All right. So now that we're here and we all crying and hurting and stuff, what are we going to do next? Because 
if I only have one more day, I'm not going to spend it crying about somebody who's moved on and, and gone on. And yes, grief takes time. I understand that. So I don't want anybody messaging me like she she said, I should just I should just move on. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that at some point you have to decide that you're worth living on, whether they went on to the other side, whether they are still in the world and they're gone from your life. Everybody has a season. It's a season, a reason or a lifetime. And so pain stands for people, anger, insecurities and negativity. If you go back to those places where people offended you, people left you. So we got to deal with the people portion of it. After that, deal with the anger. I had so much anger from just everything. I mean, just you name it. I I felt like I had a a stamp on my head that says, do bad things to me. (laughs) (laughs) Every time something I said, I don't, I don't get it. But when I, the more I started to read the Bible now I grew again, I grew up in church, so I always heard it, but when I cracked that buddy open for myself yeah, and I saw how much the prophets went through and I saw how much the warriors went through Esther and Ruth and, and how um, they really had to dig deep in their faith because they were called. So, so it, it, it changed to, Oh my God, this is happening to me to, Oh my God. This is happening to me because the enemy sees that I'm going somewhere and he don't want me to get there. Wow. Uh, you know, and, and, and even like Psalms, David wrote Psalms from a dungeon and wow. it wasn't no prison like we're accustomed to prison. Um, and so I imagine that there's feces on the floor, there's dirt. And he's talking about the Lord, the glory of the Lord is in this place. How? How? Mm-hmm. Because he saw past where he was that was a that elevated me so far I said you know what I'm gonna let this anger go because anger breeds other stuff depression Mm, anxiety all of these things come because we hold so tightly our egos are part of our bodies I mean we can't get rid of it it says that I'm great and and but I I guess I didn't have a big one because I thought I was at the bottom you know my my (laughs) thing was low but you know we have we we think God owes us something he doesn't owe us a thing he chose us and so we're not worth it but we're worth it because he chose us. It says we're chosen. So if I go to the grocery store and there's 10 things on the shelf and I pick the one I want, it's not that it was worth it. It's that I wanted it. I chose it. Mm-hmm. And so when you go through people, anger, um, insecurities, that's a deep one. Like your insecurities are keeping you out of your promise. If God said, go write a book to me. And then I was like the whole, I t- I was not me. Yeah. No. Um, pick somebody else because I don't want to tell all my garbage to the world. Then they're going to judge me. He says, so you're dealing with the hand you were dealt. You're going to be transparent. You're going to be set free. And I talk about that in the book. You're set free by telling your truth because no one can hold it against you now. No one could. My family didn't even know I was in the shelter, but till I, I got to the shelter in August, my daughter's birthday was October 17th. And so I didn't get out of the shelter till after her birthday. And so they're calling me like, hey, we just want to know if y'all were coming back to town. Oh, I lived in Atlanta at the time and I'm mm-hmm. again in Greenville. So 
for those listening, that's two hours apart. My family still thinks I'm in Atlanta. So they're like, are you bringing the, she was a baby at the time, she was 10. And so she's like, are you bringing her back so we can see her for her birthday? And I was like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Can we have the party, you know, at your house? I I planned her a whole birthday party without them even knowing I was in the next city. And so before I said, and God dealt with me before I wrote the book. So he would make me face those fears of telling someone I failed I, I in their eyes because it wasn't a failure. But at the time, I felt like a complete failure. I was like, I, I begged to marry this man. <laughs> I just knew he was the one. And now he's not the one. And I got to face people who are going to judge me hard. It was a hard road, but God would not. And he just kept saying, tell them that you're here. So I called wow. my mom. And I told her, you know, uh, what happened. And she was compassionate. She was like, I'm so sorry. You know, we're here for you if you need us. Do you, you know, do you want me to come and get you? Um, I said, no, I want to stay. Like, by the time that the month had came awesome. around, um, I, I understood while I, why I was there first, because I had never been to counseling. And they gave free counseling in the shelter. And my counselor would always say, she said, you're going to be a counselor one day. I said, hey, I'm not being no counselor. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get out of here and I'm going to go back to doing whatever I was doing, which was nothing. But I, mean, I, have, I was I, I was an actress for a little while. I was a dancer. You know, just cre- little creative stuff like that. I've been in movies and stuff. But oh, nothing um, that had my name on it. So I didn't have no company or anything like that. I just like to have fun and kind of live my passions and dreams. And so... Um, when I got out, uh, so I, I did end up telling them where I was. And so the pain acronym was basically just to forgive each one of those sections. So P was people, anger, you deal with your insecurities, and then just the negativity of it all, like the people's attitudes that are going to be coming to you. Um, just negativity of life, like forgive that stuff that's behind you. Um, you're not always going to get an apology. You're not going to, you may not get closure. But do you really need it to move on? Um, Again, that's that ego saying, I deserve for someone to tell me that I was wrong. I'm sorry. You know, you do deserve an apology, but you might not get it. But your your life is worth so much more than that person who didn't see your worth. Well, I'm not going to blame them for not seeing my worth when I didn't see it either. So we have to have some kind of responsibility when it comes to our own life. I chose those. Now, I chose the people I dated, but I had bad information. My brain said, no one loves you. My brain said, your dad's not here. He said he loved you. Just just try to work it out, you know, Um, and then societal standards, you know, and then life just happens and you get tired of breaking up and making up. And breaking right, up, yeah. know, I'm gonna just try to stick with this one right here, and then he's not a good one. Um, and mm-hmm. and because, like the lady in the shelter said, you dated the same man over and over, he just had different personalities. So, wow, he had the same mannerisms, he probably had the same pitch in the beginning I'll be your everything, I'll marry you. But the, wow. but, but the wedding date never got planned, the proposal never comes. But yeah. You always need something and ain't got nothing to give. Same situation over and over. Wow. And so I broke the curse 
not of the choosing, but the being. I became something else. And so when that circled back around, and they do, like, the enemy is very crafty. He don't stop sending them. Um, And and he just keeps sending them. You get to say, "Mm, that don't quite look like what God promised me. That's awesome. Mm, I don't, mm -mm. I do that with jobs, people, opportunities. Somebody say, you know, do you want to come speak? Um, Let me see what it looks like. Let me see if it lines up with who I am. Um, And I'm not, it's not some kind of manipulative situation where you're getting from me, but I'm getting nothing from you. Um, Mm. Life is reciprocity and balance. And a lot of people are manipulators. They're just, they're selfish, but you don't see that when I just want someone to, to, to validate me. You're not parking. You don't need validation. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm lonely. You're, you might feel lonely, but you're not alone. Um, the world of social media, you got 45,000 friends, go find you one. Um, (laughs) You know, so at the end of the day, um, once I realized that God was calling me higher and he calls all of us higher, you like, like you said, you're writing a book and it's great. I love it. It's funny. Um, Yeah. um, You, you know, I don't know that you thought in the beginning, you know, I think I want to have six kids. It sounds like a good idea. Did you want six kids? No, I never thought about having. I didn't think so. Um, I mean, I hear people say I want a big family. I didn't. I I didn't want any kids, and that's in my book. Um, obviously, I have one, so she got here some kind of way. <laughs> um, but I didn't want kids because I didn't want them to go through what I went through. Um, I said I don't. Why would I bring a kid into this world? This this world is nasty and evil and mean. But again, that's the twenty year old version of me. And yes, the world can be very uh, it can be crazy. Um, but I, um, I felt like if I have kids, I wouldn't be good enough mom for them. Mm. I wasn't a good person. Like I literally was in my, not in my own eyes. So many seeds have been planted inside of me of unworthiness, Uh, from friends, family, men, um, and we are like gardens. Um, Our hearts are like soil. And Mm -hmm. the more events go in the heart, the soil starts to grow it. The soil doesn't, it doesn't, um, it doesn't have preferential treatment. It's just going to grow it. Whatever goes in there, it's going to grow. Um, It is our responsibility to go in and dig out what don't belong and then let, let stay what um, let, let stay what needs to stay. It That's says awesome. it's, it's why it says guard your heart with all diligence because um, out of it flow the issues of life because it's a garden. And that's so that's a really cool way to think about it, actually, just to, to try to dig out what's not good. Man, that's hard to do sometimes. <laughs> it, it is. Um, I, and I tell people that all the time, um, but we do hard things every day. Um, especially if, uh, if you're a gentleman, I'm sure you do plenty of hard things, um, you know, build things and, and, and got big muscles and stuff like that. But I ain't never been a man, so I don't know. But a woman, the fact that you can push a whole baby out of your body tells me you can do hard things. <laughs> and so, um, you know, so you can do hard things. It may feel like you're falling apart, like, oh, my God, I can't believe um, this is happening to me and you're not going to live past it. But the truth of the matter is you are going to live past it. If you choose to keep pushing past it, if you want to stay there, that's why it says we go through things 
or do you want to stand in the things? Like, do you want to go through something? And that way you can just go through and you keep moving. That's how we right. go through the valley. It said we go through the valley of the shadow of death. It don't say we stand in the valley of the shadow of death and cry and pout and shout and all of that fun stuff. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. so, Sometimes it um, is fun. I mean, I, I, I hate to say very, that. But, <clears throat> excuse me. Sometimes you just want to have a pity party, you know? All the time. Have the party. <laughs> um, have the party, but give it an expiration date. Yeah. I, I I'm sad. I was sad this morning. Something happened, and it really made me angry. Um, because of the person she that she mistreated me for no reason, not to my to my uh, liking, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like they could have handled it better, and I was mad. And I said, you know what? Forgive. <laughs> but I still had a pity party for about three yeah. hours. <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh, she want to say, oh, okay, like you want to treat me, and then I say, you know what, forgive and move on, That's go awesome. through the valley, um, because if I give her back bad energy or I give her back a piece of my mind, as we like to do, yeah, what's the, what's the end result of that? Right, I I absolutely understand exactly what you're saying, and sometimes you know it just. You have to really like stop yourself and, you know, you do um, you have to be, and think it through. You do. Um, you, you have to begin with the end in mind. I think Stephen Covey or somebody like that says that about business. But I feel like that about relationships, too. Um, if I go off, if I release anger, if I do anything that could spark something else, it's never going to end. If I say, well, it's, and you can, I'm not saying don't ever say anything. I'm saying, watch how you respond. Mm-hmm. Don't be reactive, be responsive. So I didn't even say anything in that moment. And I probably won't say anything tomorrow either. Um, I'm just going to let it die because sometimes it's just not worth the fight and the energy. Um, the older you get, the more you realize is, is this going to profit me or is this going to hurt me? Well, if I say what I got to say, it's probably going to hurt me because people like to get back at you. Um, and so, so I'm just not going to say anything and I'm just going to let this die. So um, but because I wrote the book about, you know, um, dealing with insecurities and pain and stuff like that, I get that people have pain of their own. And sometimes they respond out of that pain instead of having a real life conversation. Just tell me what you need. Uh, a lot of people aren't logical and they think, oh, if I say this to this person, they're going to backfire. And you have all of the, you have conversations in your head that right. haven't even had. And yeah. so that's kind of how that happened. But I don't ever tell any cry if you have to cry and you're going to cry. So uh, for me, it's not that, that you cried. It's that you won't move past the moment. So yeah. a year from now, you're still where you were this year. And you never just decided, you know what, I'm just going to move on. And I'm not talking about physically. You may have broke up with that person. You may have left that job. You may have um, all of that. But when are you going to mentally move forward and say, okay, let me let me pick something else to focus on. Let Mm -hmm. me at least move my mind because that's why you're depressed. You're pressed in to something that's holding you captive, which is a thought process. Um, when what, do you, what kind of a, 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 like advice or like counsel when you're doing your like life coaching and you're speaking and stuff, do you give people on how to handle those, you know, mental like kind of quandaries that we get stuck in? Um, well, the first thing I'd say is snap out of it. Um, 
And when I say snap out of it, do something opposite of what you feel, um, which is earlier when I said I was angry, I turned on some really upbeat, fast paced music mm-hmm. because rhythm, your heart beats at the rhythm of the music. I, you don't know. So, so a lot of people don't know that if you're listening to something, if you're listening to slow music. That's why they say listen to the ocean and stuff to fall asleep, because your heart will pick up the rhythm that it hears. So mm-hmm. if you're angry, go do something else that's going to change how the chemicals in your body. Listen to music, go take a run, go take a shower. But mm-hmm. again, that's a press. It, you're not going to feel like it. I didn't feel like being nice, but I had to because yeah. I have um, I have a per. Um, I have a purpose to uphold. I have a uh, a brand and a business to uphold. So I can't just run off at the mouth and just be like, this is how I feel. And yeah, you know, and you just you can't do that. And if you listen, you say, well, I don't have a business or a brand. So I'm just going to say whatever I want to. You don't ever know who's watching you. So you don't want to just do that. And be like, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. They may even deserve it. But the Bible says that God will take care of your enemies. He will make your enemies your footstool. What does a footstool do? It elevates you. So you're you're my friend or you're my footstool. The choice is yours. But you people will expose themselves. If I'm your friend, I treat you a certain way. I don't disrespect you. I don't, you know, mm-hmm. even if I did, I come back and say, you know what, I'm sorry. I had a, a very bad moment. Please yeah. forgive me. I'm humble. Your enemy wants to see you fall. Wow. God will show you who is who. All you have to do is wait and stand back and be like, okay, so you're the footstool. So that means I'm getting ready to be elevated. I'm getting ready to be promoted because a footstool, I stand on it and I go higher. So sometimes we need to just stand back, like stop being so responsive to everything because everything doesn't deserve your attention. Everything doesn't deserve your response. And but because when people are hurting so bad, well, the last person who looked like you and smelled like you and acted like you did me like this. And so I'm going to give you everything that I didn't give them. So a lot of people are are throwing up and and giving all that garbage because they didn't say that to the last person who mistreated them. And I may be only in a moment, like maybe I just said something and it triggers you. Now I get the, so a lot of it is internal of catching myself. Like even in the conversation earlier, I was getting ready to say something. And thank God we have to wear masks. <laughs> I was like, oh, she was seeing my mouth because I was getting ready to say something. And she probably could see my eyes. My eyes probably was rolling, but you can't judge me <laughs> off my eyes. But my the mask caught what I was about to say. And I said, nope, I ain't going to do this. Yeah. Um, because the, the, the enemy, and I know what the enemy looks like. And sometimes we should study what the enemy looks like. Because a lot of times we study ourselves. But when football players play games or or sports, they study their opponent so they can see how they play. You have to look at the enemy and who he brings and what kind of things agitate you. Mm. That doesn't mean the agitation is leaving. The things that bother me, bother me until God heals me from them Um, or or until we go to heaven. (laughs) Um, uh, But the things that bother you aren't bad. You're not bad because you have feelings. You just need to be emotionally intelligent. And so I teach that in leadership training. Mm-hmm. You, you have to have emotional intelligence to deal with people because everybody's not healed. Everybody don't care about your feelings. Everybody doesn't care about how great you are and your purpose and stuff like that. Some people want to see you fall and they are waiting for a moment for you to be out of line and say, oh, look at how you acting. I knew you was like that the whole time. Yeah. So. 
You just have to be very cautious um, when you are responding and not reacting. Um, but when you deal with the hand you were dealt, you're no longer re resentful of what's in your hand. And that's what I had to learn. The, the things that I've gone through and still go through, like I just understand the attacks now. Um, I understand that the attacks really aren't about me. The enemy's trying to stop me from getting to where I'm going. So if I can make you yeah. angry, if I can make you sick enough, like in the last month, we're in October, literally last month I was in the hospital because I had chest pain. They couldn't oh, find wow. anything. Um, they said, your, your heart looks fine, but it literally was, so it was a sharp pain going from my heart to my shoulder. All they said was, we think you're stressed. That's it? Okay. <laughs> So I'll be stressed. Um, then my daughter got COVID like two weeks ago that we passed that. Then I woke up and my hip was out of joint. This, I just, that was last, that was just the other day. Yeah. That was last week. <laughs> and I'm still going. I didn't lay down and die. I've just decided I'm not going to lay down and die. I will go to the massage therapist. I will go to the chiropractor, but I'm <laughs> not going to just be like, well, I can't believe this is happening to me. I do say that. I can't believe this is happening to me. But what <laughs> I also say is, if it's happening to me, God knew about it. It's not a surprise to him. Might be a surprise to me. But I'm not going to allow my attitude to shift. I just need to keep my mentality here. Because if I shift over to the other side, to the negative side, mm -hmm. all this hurts. It does hurt. Um, but let's find some solutions. Be a, I am a solution-based person. If I'm not anything else, let's find exercise. Let's find some strength training. Let's find a doctor. Let's find some food. Let's find something that will fix it and not stay in it. And I think we're conditioned to just look at the problem, but never yeah. find a solution. That, you know, it's funny how it seems so like logical that, you know, you would find a solution, but I'm amazed, like even in looking in my own life and you know, other people's lives, just like how often we just wallow in it. And it can be for years. I mean, but your feelings, you, you, because we think, and um, I, I was reading an article about how social media made us so um, sensitive. Um, and you're sensitive and didn't even know you were sensitive. Um, it desensitizes us to certain things, but it over, we're overly sensitive about other things. And so, um, it, it just makes it like, well, if this is how I feel, then this must be true because everything in my body is for real, right? That's not true. It is a real feeling. Your emotions are a gift. They weren't supposed to be for a curse or to curse people out. <laughs> and so your emotions are supposed to be a gift to help direct and lead you. You don't have to dishonor your feelings. If you're angry, be angry. Just don't kill anybody or cuss anybody out. Or you, well, if they deserve it, then that's between you and God. But I don't do that. <laughs> but if you feel like you need to say what you got to say, just say it in love or come back later. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm game for come back later. If you if you got to say something and you're angry, yeah, let me come back later. But that takes so much work. Yeah. I always tell people, you're not going to become somebody different overnight, but you can always try. So the next time this situation happens, breathe first. <laughs> That's what I had to do today wow. because I did originally start responding. And then I said, mm, nah, 
I don't think it's going to be worth it. If it is, we'll talk about it again tomorrow. I'm in no hurry to have this conversation if it's not going to go anywhere anyway. So if it's still present tomorrow, then we can talk about it tomorrow. But I bet it won't be. You know why? Because they'll be like, oh, well, she didn't say nothing. So we're just going to move on. But people, some people are just messy. And they like the um, the, the drama and stuff like that. Um, and so, you know, I know we're getting ready to end, but I, I did want to talk about um, women who, you know, they're, they're like, I want a husband. I want a husband. I, I, I need a husband. You may you may need a husband. Um, I, I want a man and, and I, I want him now. Like and then this is my list. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no good men out here. There are good men out here. However. God needs us to know our identity first, because if he brings that man to you and you sabotage the relationship because you don't feel like you're worth it. I don't feel pretty. You are cussing and fussing all the time about the littlest things. He going to leave. He going to be like, I, I don't want to do this. And again, I'm not saying don't say anything. I'm saying deal with your pain of your exes. Don't talk about all your exes all the time. Well, you know what, Johnny, He, this is what he did. <laughs> oh, and I hope you're not like that. That's going to run them away. But that's often when women have been so traumatized, they lead with their trauma and they try to get people not to be that person. And they run straight into the person they're not looking for. They say they're not looking for um, because if you're not a different person, how can you re- how can you attract a different person? If you're yeah, I've heard it said person. like if you like say you have the list of things. Well, I've heard it said like well become the list of things yourself, right. and then I'll, you attract that kind of person. Right, it, and and since we're since we're on the list, um, the the list is good. Um, I've heard people say you know get rid of your list, but change the criteria on the list. I'm five foot tall, so I'm not going to tell you to take off the fact that he's six foot tall because everybody's (laughs) taller than me. (laughs) Um, But prioritize the list. Uh, When I change my the priorities on my list to more character traits and less material things, I ran straight into the most excellent man that I've ever met on this side of creation. Um, But because I looked at the character of the man and not the things of the man. Um, mm-hmm. Because remember, I had been dating the same man over and over and he was really nasty and ha- abrasive. And uh, I said, you know what? I need a man that's kind. Yeah. Loving. Mm-hmm. Talk things through. Unconditional love and forgiveness go back and forth. And reciprocity. I give, you give. I give, you give. You never feel like you've given too much. I never feel like I've given too much. You need an ear. Here's an ear. You need, um, you need, you want to go hang out. You know, it's reciprocity. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of relationships don't have that. It's like you give me, give me, give me, give me. And I might give you a little. Um, it, you have to, the person has to have the capacity to deal, um, to be with you. First of all, um, if you're pouring out everything, you know, women say, I, I gave him everything. Why did you give him everything? <laughs> You didn't leave yourself anything. Yeah. But more so. But you know what? That is such an important message, though, is that I feel like women just generally, I know it's not true for everybody, but we just don't put a priority on taking care of ourselves and we don't realize how important it is to everybody around us when we don't. Um, And and that's one of those seeds. Um, So so back to the, the last sentence was I gave him everything. That's fine. 
if you gave him everything you had, was, let's just use money. I gave him a hundred dollars. That was everything I had. But he gave you back three hundred or two hundred. He gave you back plus some. Mm-hmm. Even if he just gave you back the hundred, at least he matched you. What we're doing is giving him the hundred. He goes and takes the hundred and gives it to someone else and comes back and says, I need another hundred. Mm-hmm. And, and he said, I love you, though. I love you. I love you. <laughs> Can I get that hundred? I rub your feet. And you and we walk away empty like I gave him everything that he asked me for. But for some reason, he still don't love me. He never loved you. He loved the fact that you could provide what he wanted. And he didn't have to go get a bank loan because he had you. And so, um, you know, again, so the, the priority list, I'm not telling you don't get a man that you're attracted to or a woman that you're attracted to um, for the men. You know, wh- whoever you want, make sure that the law of reciprocity and balance. And even if you're healing, I hear people say you can't date while you're healing. We're going to be healing till Jesus returns. <laughs> what you can't do, it's always something going on. But what you can't do is be healing from something and damaging the other person while you're still healing. Mm-hmm. So let's just say God is healing me from, uh, I don't know, throwing plates. Maybe I'm a plate throw, you know, plate throw, like when people get into arguments. Because abusive women, I mean, abusive men or abu- women who have been abused in relationships become the um, uh, they become the abuser. So mm-hmm. let's just say you, you know, God is healing you uh, from being abusive uh, and you meet someone. Uh, who is very nice, very kind. And every time he says, um, hey, babe, uh, why did you uh, not wash? Did- why? Why does it not? Wait, <laughs> you can't be dating because you aren't in a place where anybody can correct you. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. So there are things that if you're healing from something that's going to affect someone else and going to attack, when you're corrected, then stay out of a relationship because the last thing you want to do is ha- be in another abusive relationship and now you're the abuser. Um, if you're healing from something wow. like bad credit, we, we sometimes we have to go through that, especially if you've been in, uh, maybe you got a divorce, maybe it wasn't abusive, but you ended in divorce and you're rebuilding. You can rebuild and date. Um, you don't have to now for the men. I know that the world right now is like you got to have all the money before you can take a woman out. Go get a woman that's not trying to be with the two hundred thousand dollar guy. If you're only making thirty thousand dollars because she's not going to want you. Yeah. Right. So to me, it's logic. But people, if, you, if you're healing from something or you know that you don't have what that person wants, just bow out gracefully. It's to me, it seems very simple. But if you're healing from something that you know is going to hurt someone, say that up front. You know, hey, this this thing really still bothers me. But then you're how long you've been married? Twenty four years. Awesome. So (laughs) you you two have become different people in twenty four years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's and it's always a challenge. I mean, it sometimes it's great and sometimes it's hard. I mean, like yeah. it, it it never like is just easy at some point. I mean, you right. have to just keep working at it all the time. Exactly. And then you got six little people that came along the journey with you. Um, as you're not gonna know everything about a person when you meet them. 
Um, and this is why prayer, talking to God, not going off your feelings and emotions, and especially in the beginning, oh, he's so fine. She's so pretty. What else, though? Like, what else? What other substance do they have that says, you know what, when I'm going through something, I can call them and they'll talk me through it or at least they'll cry with me. I don't know. Like, whatever. Everybody has a different personality, but they don't berate you. Why are you crying? Shut up. You know, stuff, stuff like that. And that's both women and men. Some women will be like, what you crying for? Men don't always have a safe place to go. And sometimes they'll go to women who at least will give them a shoulder. Well, if you're his shoulder and then you like berate him, he's never going to talk to another woman again. Like not in that way. He'll go have sex with plenty of them. But to talk to them and to pull those walls down. But if you have not healed that portion of you that said all men are dogs, all men are dogs and they don't do the right thing. You have to heal those negative. Remember the negativity on pain? If you don't have negativity that's in your mind. How do you do that? The affirmations. I am a fan of affirmations because the Bible says that we have three gates, our eyes, our ears, and our mouth. So what I hear, what I see, I hear, and I speak. Mm -hmm. goes into my my heart, which is the garden. So if I'm watching something, it's going in. If I'm speaking something, I'm hearing it, and it's going in. If I'm hearing it, more than likely, I'm going to repeat it. I can hear a song in the morning. And repeat the lyrics at night. And, and right. it might even be a song I want. Like, but if you hear it like in a store and then you're like, right. And like, where did I pick that song up? Because yeah. our hearts are open to the seeds, whatever goes in there. So I leave you with this. Um, you know, deal with the hand that you've been dealt so that you can move on and go create the life that you want. Not that bad things won't happen, but now you have the proper knowledge to do so. You know what you do like and don't like. Boundaries will help you with that. Um, A lot of times when you've been in abusive situations or you've been hurt a lot, you don't have boundaries because you're walking in fear. You're like, "Um, I'm just going to say yes to everything. I'm just going to do everything. I'm going to be everything for everybody because I'm afraid to say no because I don't want that retaliation because I've been abused. You see how this, it just, all of it goes full circle. But if I choose me, and I'm not saying be selfish. I'm saying take a minute to learn yourself what you like and don't like. What God is showing you in the future, everything that I'm doing right now, God showed me five and six years ago. That's awesome. So when opportunities come, if they don't look like where I know I'm going, I decline. Um, because if I start doing something that's not on the the vision board, I'm going to be so much farther than where I was supposed to be because now I'm doing this thing for validation. I don't need validation from y'all. When I get to heaven, I want God to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You know, you did what you went to earth to do. And that's really all. That's my goal. I want people to heal. I want people to see life from a different perspective. We have saw our lives from the perspective of pain long enough. When can we just believe you know what? I am wealthy. I am healthy. I am wise. I, I've been saying I am healthy for about three years now. Um, I had got up to 220 pounds. I'm five foot tall. Y'all can't see me, but I'm five foot tall, 220 <laughs> pounds on a five foot tall. That's quite a bit, it's, yeah. it's very painful. And yeah. I stood in the mirror and I was like, this ain't me. That's so awesome. I asked God to give me 
a path and I would get on it and stay on it. And it's been quite a journey. Um, it's been painful. Working out is not my my strong suit. I don't wake up in the morning like, yes, let's go to the gym. No, <laughs> because it hurts. Uh, I got aches and pains. I'm not a you know, I'm not a young whippersnapper anymore. I'm 41. Um, you know, things ache and, and hurt and crack. I and hear snap. you, girl. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. But I'm, I'm, I'm coming up to 40 pounds lost. Um, I, yeah, choose better, I choose better food. I don't eat what I used to eat because I want to be, I want it to be someone new. It says, I have made you new. <laughs> well, how are you going to be new if I still keep looking at the old me trying to get her to come on the journey? At some point, you got to say, you know what? It was good for what it was, but you're not the version of me that I want to go into tomorrow. So this is this is your stop. Get off. I don't like the way you talk to people. I don't like the decisions you make because you're still bringing the 13, 12, 15 year old version of yourself with you. And so you get off. I love you. I see you on the other side. Stop making decisions for me. <laughs> Um, and if you come along with the journey, um, you're going to make me, we're going to be making these new decisions. <laughs> and so, and that sounds so crazy that you have but to talk to yourself. You like have that. to tell yourself that you really do. Exactly. You, you really do. Um, and so, um, if you're, you know, if you're listening, you're like, man, that sounds like a lot. It is, but you're okay because you can do hard things. See, a lot of times we just make up these excuses so that we can bow out. Like, oh, that's hard. Okay, well, you can do hard things. What's next? Well, that's expensive. Okay, well, God is the, he say we own a thousand cattle on a hill. What's next? So I have my, and my daughter, she hates it. If she listens to this, she'll be like, yep. Yeah, Cause every time I say excuse, I be, I'll give her a solution. And I told her to go find something positive to say about this until we get to the next destination. Uh, so she lost her job during COVID. She was told, you'll get another job and it'll be better than the one that you had. Guess what? She got a new job, paying two more dollars than she was at the other job. Nice. God, he loves his children. And we look at closed doors as bad things. Oh, well, you know, I really wanted that person, that thing. And God's like, I got a bigger thing next. Wow, that's cool. Just move on because that season is over. So if you don't have anything else to tell yourself, but. I believe God. And because I believe God, the door is closed. And if it's not closed, close it. So if the door is still open and you were thinking you were going to teeter totter between the two, like, well, I'm going to come over here. Then I'm going to go over there and I'm going to come over here. Then I'm going to go over there. No, the Bible says that be hot or cold or I'll spew you out of my mouth. He don't like lukewarm. So you choose hot or cold. Pick a side. Do you want to be the new version of you or do you want to keep going around the mountain like the Israelites um, for 40 years making the same decision because they didn't want to go over into the promised land and kept complaining? Stop um, complaining. So Start, you, you, you have 60 words to use and you want to use them all to complain. If I'm gonna have, if I only have 60 and God said I can have what I say. A lot of us just don't believe what the Bible says. And I think that's another part, but we'll end there. <laughs> um, so, you know, yeah. Thank you so much, Brandy. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm sorry to mean to cut you off, but I know you have to go because you've got something going on, but we just 
so much appreciate you being on today. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. And I will put link to your book. And if anybody wants to check her out, I'll put some more links to uh, all your social media. Okay. Thank you so much. Good night. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you loved this interview with Brandy. And please share it with a friend. I think it's something that could really help a lot of people. And please make sure you go to Facebook and sign up on Facebook groups at Imagine Mom. That's Imagine Mom with an E. We would love to have you join our group. There's so many cool things going on. You can also join us on Instagram. We have tons of great resources that are being posted every day, including daily videos and lots of funny memes. So make sure you don't miss that. We've been doing some challenges in our Facebook group. So sign up today. I will see you there.